It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the Go Birds pod, another edition of ESP's Draft Guides. Hope everybody had a beautiful weekend. Weather ended up being great. The Sixers won game one. The Phillies even won a game and scored a ton of runs. So just a great weekend overall. And now we get into what is really the major lead up to the draft. So coming off so much positivity over the Philly sports weekend, today I want to talk about something that is probably not going to be as popular, but something I think as a GoBirds community, all us real ones, all, all us auto downloaders, really have to wrap our mind around. And that's the fact that the Eagles at number 10 could draft an offensive lineman. Now, We're going to get into a few different angles of this today. One is, is it a good idea? Should they be drafting an offensive lineman that high? Two, if they do do it, who are the guys that that are real options? There's really only two of them. We'll get into both of them. But who could those options be? And three, while it is a need, would it be smarter for them to look at guys later in the draft that could be developed and that could turn into elite backups as opposed to using such a high resource on one. So before we get into all that, let's just talk about the general idea of them drafting an offensive lineman. So a few weeks ago, as I first started to kind of think about this, about the possibility it could happen, whether or not it would be a good idea, it coincided with around the time me and Kristen filed our taxes. So you're probably thinking, what does that have to do with anything? Let me, let me explain where I'm going with this. When we filed our taxes together, first time as a married couple, so needless to say, she was the one that filed them and, and figured it all out, but we got a bit of a return, right? We got we got some money back. And when we did, obviously my first reaction was, all right, nice, like let's spend this somewhere, right? Let's go out, let's buy something, maybe, you know, get something fun adults enjoy, like new patio furniture, you know, just the, the, the joys in life, right? But what did we end up doing with it? We ended up you know, saving it essentially, paying off a little credit card debt, right? And why do we do that? Because Kristen's a responsible individual. Kristen is someone that is good with money. I'm not as good with money, right? So when you think about drafting an offensive lineman at number 10, to me, it's a little bit like getting a tax return and then doing something responsible with it. It's not fun. It's not Bijan Robinson. It's not uh, 
Jackson Smith Enigma. It, it, it is it is a decision to do something that is not like sexy or not something that's going to help you right away or give you that instant gratification like using our tax return money on something fun would have been. But it is something that you could argue is a simply smart idea. So why is it a simply smart idea? Because as much as B. John Robinson would be fun, as much as, you know, potentially a cornerback there, who I'm not as high on those guys, but, you know, you could talk yourself into that being more of an immediate need because of the age. As much as trading up for Jalen Carter or Will Anderson. The bottom line is the Eagles, like the backbone, like the pure, like at the simplest form of why they win, it is their offensive line. Now, there are a lot of things around that. Obviously, the quarterback, Jalen Hurts, played really well. Their pass rush last year was awesome. But at the core of their belief, like at the core of Howie Roseman and Jeffrey Lurie's heart, is a belief in the offensive line. And you see that in just how they win. In the seasons they're really good, they get really good offensive line play. In the seasons where they're bad, they get really bad offensive line play. Carson in 2020 was absolutely horrendous. It's also not a coincidence that they got terrible offensive line play, they had terrible depth, they had tons of injuries, and everything completely fell apart. Like the seasons where they've been good, they've gotten great line play. How can you make sure you have great line play? You can make sure you have great line play by investing a ton of resources in it and by making sure that if someone goes down, you have another option to go in there that can play at a high level. So while when we talk about Bijan Robinson as being someone that can come in and instantly impact this team right away and be like an elite running back or someone like Will Anderson who can come in and add to the pass rushing depth and be like a, an elite pass rusher almost right away, you could argue that if any draft pick could impact this season in a way that would like save it, it would be a tackle at number 10 that if God forbid Lane Johnson goes down or God forbid Jordan Mailata goes down, that can step in right away and give you high level play. Because right now, when you look at their offensive line depth, it is not good. Like there's no getting around it. So they have Jordan Mailata and they have Lane Johnson as the starters. Behind that, Jack Driscoll uh, at right tackle. You could maybe move him to left if you really needed to, but he's better on the right side. And frankly, he's better on the interior overall. Outside of that, there's nobody. There's literally nobody. They have Suo Opeta, but he can't play on the outside. Brett Toth, I mean, I know he's like kind of done it or practiced at it, but really he's just kind of nothing at this point. He was hurt all last year, and he might be in better a better interior guy anyway. So they could, could go out and try to sign someone, but at this point you're not going to get a high-level backup at tackle. So you're talking about trying to trade a high asset to do it, or you're talking about really rolling the dice with a veteran that isn't signed at this point that might not be any good if he has to go in. Now, there's no doubting it stings to think that drafting someone at 10 in an ideal world, they don't play a snap at all this year. Now, they could potentially, if Cam Jurgen struggles at right guard, you could maybe slide in either, you know, Paris Johnson or Peter Skaronsky to guard there. That's a possibility. But again, you're talking about the top 10 pick in the draft, the number 10 pick, your highest pick, an asset that you felt you got a, a steal and a trade for. Turning that into a player that if everything goes to plan, will not play a single snap this year, will probably not play a single snap next year. You know, we'll, we'll get into the specifics of that. But it stings. But at the end of the day, much like Kristen using that money to, you know, be responsible, I, I just, as much as I wouldn't like it and as much as it's not what I would do, sometimes you need, you know, we talk about how he's being the smartest guy in the room, 
Maybe sometimes you just need the most responsible guy in the room. And I think that as much as it would kill all of us, drafting an offensive lineman at 10 might be the responsible thing to do. So let's talk about who it could possibly be. At number 10, there's really only two players that'll be in consideration. I think there's a chance, frankly, both of them get there. Uh, You could look up and see maybe the Raiders take one at seven. The Chicago Bears at nine are a possibility. So, you know, if there's a run on them, maybe neither of them makes it to 10. But I do think that neither of these guys are viewed as like top five picks. And that's worth talking about because if there was a truly elite tackle prospect in this draft, that tackle is probably going in the top four or five, right? I know it's somewhat based off need and and, and how good the quarterbacks are, but at the end of the day, elite offensive line prospects really don't fall that far. So the fact they could both be available at 10 kind of speaks, I think, to to where they're at. To me, the number one prospect at offensive line in the draft is Paris Johnson out of Ohio State. Why is he the number one guy? Six foot six, 310 pounds, Ideal offensive line body, long arms, great athlete. I mean, he has the size on the outside to deal with not only the big pass rushers, but the speed pass rushers that you see because he's so long. A, and he's athletic, so he can move. But he's also so long that he once, you know, it's just harder to get around him because he has a big wingspan. So ideal body for a tackle in the NFL, huge wingspan. He played right guard in 2021. So look, he could come in and potentially compete with Cam Jurgens for that spot. Now, if he does that, Cam Jurgens is sitting on the bench for another year. And, you know, then there's discussions about whether he was a good pick with the second round pick in, in 2022. But if Kelsey does retire, maybe Cam Jurgens is your center of the future. He sits for two years. Paris Johnson is your starting guard, and then you move him out to tackle. I will say the Eagles have not really liked as much as they talk about cross training. Early on in guys' career, they're not as into like coaching them up at three spots. So maybe they don't want to do that with Paris Johnson. But it is noteworthy that he played right guard. So in addition to being a great tackle, and he played left tackle in 2022. So not a, not any experience, I don't believe, playing right tackle. But he does he does have experience at left tackle. And and uh, Jordan Mailata has dealt with back injuries. And frankly, like has been a little hit or miss in his play recently. I mean, he was good last year, but I wouldn't say he was outstanding or or all pro level in my opinion. So you have Paris Johnson who can play right guard, he can play left tackle, and then potentially if you needed, you could probably put him at right tackle. So that that's a you know that's the Paris Johnson argument. Elite athlete has upside, has ability to move all around, and so I, I you know that's what makes him really the best offensive line prospect in this draft. Needs development, like he is not pro ready, but if he's not playing and he has time to get coached up, he has the best set of tools in the draft. So on one hand, you could develop him into an elite offensive lineman that could really be the best offensive lineman in the draft and has the potential to be one of the best left tackles in the league. The only downside is if we're talking about using this asset as someone that can come right in and play if an injury goes down, he does need coached up more than the other option uh, at number 10. So Paris Johnson is easily my number one guy uh, among the tackles. I would, again, for responsibility reasons, consider taking him at 10. Hey, everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. 
Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. The next guy, I would not take at number 10, but he's the only only other one in the option. Uh, Peter Skaronsky out of Northwestern. Tackle, guard, kind of like Paris Johnson in the way that he can play either spot, but ultimately the difference is Paris Johnson projects as a starting tackle. Almost everyone you talk to says Peter Skaronsky is a starting guard. Um, what you like about him, though, six foot four, 315 pounds, so the measurables are actually not great. But what you do like about him is he is flat out produced at a high level at a tough spot for three seasons. Uh, he's played tackle in, in you know in one of the better uh, divisions in college football. He's played really well. Doesn't give up a lot of sacks. Doesn't give up a lot of hurries. He just goes out there and gets the job done. Excellent technique. Very quick feet when you read the scouting reports. The issue with Skaronsky is his is his body is is his physicals right i mean 6 foot 4 315 pounds like i said he's just more of a guard he doesn't have long arms uh not a physically tall imposing guy so when when you talk about where could he be like he would be your right guard and then you move cam jurgens to center next year and you know you you hope that you have landing cam and skaronski as like your new interior good to go set for the next 5 years um, but the problem is you're using the number 10 pick on a guard and a guard, you know, talk about the whole running back debate. A guard is also not a very, uh, useful position with the top 10 pick. I don't know if it's a great use of resources. So uh, that would be the Skoronsky problem. He doesn't really have tackle potential and he doesn't really, he's not able to move inside to guard. So short arms, not very tall, not ideal side, might have to move for guard. Just doesn't check many boxes for me at number 10. All right, so if they don't take an offensive lineman at number 10 and everybody gets their wish and we, we get to be a little irresponsible with that pick, maybe they take Bijan, maybe they move up. If they don't take someone at 10, who are some guys they could focus on later in the draft? Um, so let's start with centers. There's two centers, I think, check what they were looking for. And I'll really just kind of summarize first what they're going to look for in a center and what I look for in scouting reports. Obviously, after watching Jason Kelsey dominate for years, you want an athletic center, someone that can get to the second level quickly uh, once the ball is snapped, someone that can get to the sideline, someone that can go down the field quickly and get blocks on the second level, someone that can be effective in screen games when it comes to blocking. So those are characteristics I look for. Two guys I think check those boxes. Joe Tipman out of Wisconsin, six foot six, 316 pounds, obviously a big body. But when you look at what he what he is, people say he moves like a tight end in space. He's just like a freak athlete for the position. He's elite at getting to the second level. He's played exclusively at center, but people think he could move to guard as well. So he would help you with those interior backup spots this year. If Cam Jurgens ends up killing it at guard this year, then you have Joe Tipman at center next year. If Cam Jurgens isn't great and you feel Joe Tipman can be a better guard, you can slide uh, Jurgens back to center in 2024. So Joe Tipman someone I like at center. Next up, Luke Whipler out of Ohio State, six foot three, 300 pounds. Again, a pure center. Some people think the best center in the draft. Very athletic, a bit undersized, right? Six foot three, 300 pounds. But so was Kelsey, right? But Kelsey was really fast. He had great technique and he was able to end up being obviously a Hall of Fame type player. And what you like about Luke Whipler is he's allowed one sack in seven hurries in 499 pass block snaps. So just a really great college center, and I think has the physical tools to come in and be a really good NFL center, and certainly an elite level backup uh, at the interior line spot. So those are the two interior offensive linemen I like. They're both projected in the second round. 
I don't know if they make it as, as far as the Eagles pick, but at that pick, for the third year in a row, the Eagles could take an interior offensive lineman there to kind of stock back up on, on their depth. Um, all right, next up, and I've, I've tried to work on my name pronunciations, got a four-star review, which you know really eats at me. Steve Avila at a TCU, a guard, six foot four, three hundred forty pounds. Again, viewed as a second round, a second round pick, elite first step off the line. That is one thing I read in a lot of his scouting reports, and that's something you love to see. Like he bursts off the line of scrimmage at the ball snap. Very strong. Uh, one thing that the, all the scouting reports said is that once he gets his hands on you, and like he is not going to get pushed back by a bull rush. Really good anchor. If he gets, you know, again, if he gets there, you're not pushing him back. So does, of course, like all college prospects, need coached up a little bit. People talked about his technique, which is probably why he'll fall. But when you take into account his elite strength, which is something I do like in an offensive lineman, but then also a very quick first step off the line, I think he'd be a great second round pick for uh, for Jeff Statlin to get his hands on and to work with. All right, who are some tackles that they could take later on that you know could be the uh, could could be guys that could be helpful now, but also develop. So Anton Harrison out of Oklahoma, he would probably be an option at number thirty with with, with that second first round pick. Six foot five, three hundred and fifteen pounds. He allowed one quarterback hit and four hundred and twenty five pass block snaps. So he just played at an elite level at an extremely important position. Extremely quick. People talk about how quick his feet are, which is an important uh, asset for a tackle to have. Really good use of hands, so he's someone that, I'm not saying Paris Johnson doesn't have good use of his hands, but Antoine Har- Anton Harrison is someone that could come in, and is probably a little more developed, right? Like, good technique, still a very good athlete, 6'5", 315 pounds, so roughly the same size as Paris Johnson. He's played either tackle spot. Does need to get stronger, but that's what the strength and conditioning staff is for. So I actually like the idea more of taking another position at number 10 and then taking uh, Anton Harrison at number 30. And again, assuming he's there, my from just looking at mocks and stuff, it does seem like he would be there at number 30, but I'm sure someone will say he might go earlier. But if he's there, I really like that option at number 10 as opposed to taking, I'm sorry, that option at number 30 as opposed to taking an offensive lineman at number 10. Next up, Don Jones out of Ohio State, a tackle, six foot eight, three hundred and fifty-nine pounds. He's a second-round pick. Pro Football Focus called him one of the largest human beings to ever grace a football field. Again, six foot eight, three hundred and fifty-nine pounds. So he is like a Jordan Mailata level of athlete. Where you just, he's massive. Um, you know, so what? What? How does that help him? First, he's got an extremely long wingspan. N- no surprise. Excellent use of his hands. He's very, very hard to get around just because of how long he is. Very, very strong. Uh, again, 359 pounds. Uh, lots of muscle there when you weigh that much. Um, because of his size, not very fast just because he is so big. Slow feet. Like I think he has to win right away by getting his hands on you. He's not going to be able to have recovery speed if an edge rusher kind of bends and gets around him. But just that level of athlete, like six foot eight, that size, if he's there in the second round, I'd be really interested to see what Jeff Stoutlin uh, can do with him. Next up, another name that I, I am working hard to pronounce correctly, Cody Mock out of uh, North Dakota State, six foot six, 303 pounds. He's viewed as like a third round, maybe second round if someone really likes him. 
He's the guy that you see on Twitter that went from a 221-pound tight end to a 303-pound left tackle. Uh, Extremely good athlete because of that. Again, moves like a tight end, really good in space, uh, is able to get to that second level. But what, what scouting reports like about him is they talk about he has the mentality of a left tackle. Like he has that John Runyon level of mean streak, the Jason Peters level of he's going to protect his quarterback. So what are the issues with him? He's 24 years old and still needs developing. So there's a chance you're not getting like quality snaps from him until he's 25 or 26. And not the end of the world if you view him as someone that's a little more ready to play and come in and be a great backup right away. He just doesn't project as that because he is so raw at the position and he's still learning it. But has great physical tools, a little slower on in his development, and because of his age, that's an issue. But if you can get him in the third round and you think maybe he's he's going to be able to play quicker than other people think, I think he could be a good selection in the third round. So that's where I'm at with the offensive line play. I understand why it's a need. I understand, again, why you take that tax return money and you use it on something responsible. But man, it would really sting to take one at number 10, especially when I think there's some some options later on in the draft that could really help him. And when you have Jeff Stoutland, when you're paying him the money he you are paying him, when he's the kind of uh, offensive line coach that he is, which is a pro, you know, Hall of Fame level coach, I'm okay with taking one later on in the draft. So Thanks again, everybody, for listening. Um, We're going to come back with these a little more this week to lead up to the draft. Quarterback, uh, safety, linebacker. Maybe we'll even talk about punters. Who knows? Um, So thanks again. Uh, Me and James are going to record later in the week, of course. Uh, You know, missed you guys on Go Birds Radio this past Saturday. So thanks for listening. I'll talk to you guys next time. And as always, he's Elliot. I'm James.